Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. So let's all verbalize the proposition that we've been sharing together over the last uh, three sessions. And this will be our final session on this area. Okay, our proposition has been uh, in distinguishing the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which a number have had questions about. And I trust that this series together that we've had three sessions on it counting tonight that it's helped clarify this for us. So uh, we note here the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit is a distinct supernatural experience, anointing and equipment for service under the Lord. It is an experience at or subsequent to and different from being born of the Spirit or sanctification or the fruit of the Spirit. New Testament believers may experience two major operations of the same Holy Spirit, being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. So let's all verbalize the proposition again, will we? And then we'll move on in our session tonight. Okay, all together. The baptism with or in the Holy Spirit is a distinct supernatural experience, anointing and equipment for service unto the Lord. It is an experience at or subsequent to and different from being born of the Spirit or sanctification, or the fruit of the Spirit. New Testament believers may experience two major operations of the same Holy Spirit, born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. All right, now, as we've covered in the last uh, two weeks together, we've taken, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this has been our, our approach on this, that looking at the, the Old Testament saints, the ministry of the Holy Spirit under Old Testament times, and then the ministry of the Holy Spirit, this side across New Testament times. And we look first of all at the Lord Jesus Christ, that when Jesus was born as a babe, he was indeed born of the Spirit as a new creation, if anybody was. And then 30 years later, he was baptized or empowered with the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we particularly looked at the disciples and dealt with the experience of the disciples before the cross or before the Feast of Passover, then the disciples after the cross but before Pentecost, and then we looked at the experience of the disciples at Pentecost. And so summarizing, what was the experience of the disciples before the cross, uh, before the Feast of Passover or be before the Passover proper, what was the, the experience? We summed it up in an Old Testament and a New Testament word. They were what? Let's all say it together. They were saved. So saved with an Old Testament salvation, as we said, they were saved looking forward to the cross, as we are saved looking back to the cross. All right, then after the cross, and yet before Pentecost, when the Lord Jesus Christ breathed upon them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit, what happened then? All right, let's all say it together. They were born again, or they were born of the Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, so even though Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit, and the Greek thought is that it's a command, it's not just an anticipatory promise, oh, well, uh, uh, I send you, but I'm not really sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit, but don't really receive. You'll receive later on. It's not an anticipatory thing. It's actually a command. He breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Uh, but even though they were born of the Spirit and received the breath of life, as we said last week, Adam became a living soul after God breathed into him the breath of life. But the last Adam is a quickening spirit. That means he quickens our spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so though they were born of the Spirit and received the breath of life, 
and became quick in spirits, yet Jesus said, now tarry, or wait until you endured, and the word endured there in the Greek is, until you be clothed upon. So when they were to be endured with power from on high, the Greek thought is clothing upon, just like in the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, he literally clothed Gideon with himself, he clothed uh, himself with Gideon, and he clothed Gideon with himself. So that's why I say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is actually the reception of the priestly mantle, the priestly garment for ministry in the holy place. The order is brazen, uh, brazen altar, blood. Brazen labor, water. Priestly mantle, baptism of the Holy Spirit, then into the holy place. And so we see that the disciples' experience was unique. They were saved before Pentecost, Old Testament salvation, but then after the cross, say before the cross, pardon me, but Old Testament salvation, after the cross and before Pentecost, they were born in the Spirit, and then at Pentecost, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, I want you to turn to page three here, and uh, we're just going to move over number three quickly here because we've got a lot of material to cover and just a little bit of fill-in, uh, and then I want to give you out a sort of a summation sheet of what we've been doing together, but I wanted to spell it out a little bit more. Okay, so we've done the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the head of the church. We've looked at the disciples before the cross and after the cross and before Pentecost and at Pentecost. Now we come to the order in the day of Pentecost, and we'll just read off our notes here because of time. Number three, the day of Pentecost. The Pentecostal sermon given by the Apostle Peter laid down God's order for church membership both then and now. And now. In God's mind, this is not being altered or nullified. Can you all say amen? Church is nullified and altered, but not God. All right, note the steps. Repentance, faith, though not specifically mentioned, faith is implicit before anybody takes the next step because it is believer's baptism. So Peter says on the day of Pentecost, repent. Faith is implied. And then water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and then the next thing he said, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is divine order for membership. Repentance, faith, water baptism, reception of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then we're told they received the word and were baptized and continued steadfastly in, number one, the apostles' doctrine, number two, fellowship, number three, breaking of bread, and number four, prayers. What was the end result? Two little clauses here. They were added to them, Them's the 120, and they were added to the church. First mention of the word church. So I personally believe this is what uh, Ern Baxter and we call the Peter package. And I believe that's still valid today. That's the normal for church membership. Can you say amen to that? Not, uh, you know, the way we've done it today. Okay, I'd like you to turn over now to number four, and we're going to turn to the book of Acts chapter 8. And we're going to look now, all of these experiences that we're looking at tonight, uh, since the cross, since the day of Pentecost. Okay, so we've looked at the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit. We've looked at the disciples, saved, then born of the Spirit, then baptized with the Spirit. Now we've looked at the Pentecostal uh, format, the Peter package, the total thing. And now we're looking at uh, cases in the book of Acts after the cross and after Pentecost. Okay, we want to look at Acts chapter 8 and pick out the high spots. And first of all, we're going to see how the Samaritans were first of all born of the Spirit, even though, and, and, and listen, it's a, lot of, a lot of these things people can argue on terminology, 
The word being born again is never used once in the book of Acts. Does it make the term invalid? How many believe that uh, the true disciples in the book of Acts were born again even though the word born again is not used? Right, okay, so for those who would make a man an offender for a word. All right, so under A, we look at the, uh, the Samaritan believers when they were born again. That uh, typewriter didn't spell rightly there either, the Samaritan believers. Lord, deliver him, and he lost his liver. Uh, okay, Acts chapter 8. Now, we'll just follow number one here, and I'll tell you when you've got your fill in here. All right, Evangelist Philip in this chapter, as well as those scattered abroad, preached the word. You notice in verse 1, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad through the regions of Samaria, uh, Judea and Samaria, and ex except the apostles. And then in verse uh, 4, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, what doing? Preaching the word. Okay, preaching the word. Then in verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and what did he do? Preach Christ unto them. Go down to verse uh, uh, 8. And there was great joy in that city. Uh, in verse 6, of course, we have hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Verse 7, the casting out of unclean spirits and uh, healing and great joy in the city. Then in verse 12, But when they believed, so under number 2, your word there is, the Samaritans believed. But when they believed, Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So in verse 4, preaching the word. Verse 5, preach Christ. Verse 12, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So as we've got on our notes here, Evangelist Philip, as well as those scattered abroad, preached the word. The sick were healed, devils cast out, Great joy was in the city. Philip preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And number two, the, the Samaritans, say it with me, believed. Okay, you fill in, the Samaritans believed. Believe what? They believed the preaching. They believed what he preached about Christ. They believed what they preached about the word. They believed what he preached concerning the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, uh, if you check in verse 14, I want you to note the language here. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had what? Received the word of God. Now, did they receive a Bible or a tract or a decision card? When they received the word, who did they receive? Christ, okay. So your answer in number three is the Samaritans received the word of God. Received the word of God. Now, I put the references there, and I'm not going to take the time to read them, because we do want to finish this area tonight, not exhaust it. When you go through those scriptures I've got there, in John chapter 1, it says, uh, He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power, or the privilege and the right, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So, so Samaritans believed, they receive the word of God, and to as many as receive him, he gives them power to become the sons of God. Then in 1 John chapter 5, it says about receiving Christ and being born again. And in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23, on your reference there, we being born again of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So when they receive, the, when they believe, 
when they received the word of God, uh, what happened? They were what? Born again. Because you see, we are born again of the incorruptible seed, the word of God. And to as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born not of blood, nor of flesh, nor the will of flesh, but which were born of God. See, so receiving the word, believing, true believing, true receiving the word is to be born again, to be born of the incorruptible seed of the word. Then number four, you fill in. After that, we're told they were baptized. The Samaritans were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And uh, it's quite evident that most of them, if not all, except, uh, of course, Simon the sorcerer, he went down a dry center and came up a wet one. But the Samaritans were baptized, and it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So it was believer's baptism. All right, so three particular things I want you to note there under A. Under number two, the, the Samaritans believed. Number three, the Samaritans received the word of God. And number four, the Samaritans were baptized. So how many think that under Philip's ministry, when the Samaritans believed, received the word of God, and were baptized, how many would safely say that the Samaritans were born of the Spirit or born again? Amen? Okay. All right, now let's go to B. Under number one, Jerusalem had, that should be spelling there, uh, Jerusalem heard, it should be, Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God under, under Philip's ministry, so they sent forth two apostles, Peter and John. Okay? So we find in verse 14, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Why? Verse 15 and 16, Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might, say it with me, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 14, if you mark your Bible, in verse 14 it says, they had received the word of God. But in verse 15 it says, the apostles prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they could have just said to Peter and John, hey, you guys, get back to Jerusalem. Get lost. We've got the PEA, the P Association, Philip Evangelistic Association, and we've had a mighty move of God in this city, and we don't want any apostles laying their little mitts on us. At last, we got the Holy Spirit when we were born again. What are you guys coming down here for? There's none of that. I mean, you get that today, but they didn't have that bother there. See, because we're dealing with unbelieving believers today. Right? Smile, God loves you, you're on candid camera. Okay, so in verse 14, they received the word of God under Philip, the evangelist, but now they're going to receive the Holy Spirit under apostles. 4, verse 16 tells us, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, or the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, under number 2, why? The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. Now, they didn't argue like the unbelieving believers today and the fighting fundies do. Oh, we've got the Holy Spirit. When we're born again, we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got everything there is. We've got everything there is, Christ. Nothing more to receive. We don't need any second experience. We've got our total experience under the evangelists. We don't need apostles. We receive the Word. We don't need to receive the Holy Spirit. But there's none of that, see, that mentality. You see how far we've drifted from the Word, haven't we? So under uh, number two, your answer is that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of, the, any of them. Then number three, what happened in verse 17? 
Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So under verse 17 there, number 3, you fill in is, the apostles laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The apostles laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, continuing here, something unique happened here, because Simon the sorcerer wanted to buy this power, give me this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Spirit. But he didn't seem to desire the power of Philip's ministry. So there was something, and it's interesting in verse 21, where it says, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. The word matter there is, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this utterance. So uh, when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, now what did he saw? Yes, he saw something. They weren't laying empty hands on empty heads and saying, Receive by faith in the name of Jesus. That's it, you got it, brother. Is that all right? Yeah. I'll try not to get excited. You are such a quiet people. He must have seen something. All right, well, we better move on. Thus, back to your notes here. Under the evangelist Philip's ministry, they were born of the Spirit. And under the apostolic ministries of Peter and John, they were, that should be they, they were baptized in the Spirit. Two separate, distinct operations of the same Holy Spirit. Everybody clear on that? So under Philip, they were born of the Spirit. And under Peter and John, they were baptized in the Spirit. Okay, number five, Acts chapter 9. Moving on quickly. All right, look at Paul's experience in Acts chapter 9, or Saul. Number one, Saul was a Pharisee and a persecutor of the Christians, and he was struck down on the road to Damascus in verses 1 through to 4. Now, in verse 5, he said, Who art thou, Lord? Now, who do you think he was talking to? He knew it was a supernatural manifestation of God, and when he said, Who art thou, Lord? He thought he was talking to the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, Lord. And so it was the shock of his life, and the Lord said, I am Jesus, Lord Jesus. And then what happened? In verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord. Now how many uh, can see what we've got here on, on your note here? No man can say what? Jesus is what? No, it doesn't say that. It's got the article before. No man can say Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So here Paul, who art thou, Lord? I think he's talking to the God of the Old Testament, and the voice says, I'm not the Lord, I'm Jesus. Oh, man, Lord Jesus. He, and he calls Jesus Lord. He said, Lord Jesus. No wonder he says afterwards in Colossians, whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, because that Lord Jesus became very meaningful to him. So when he called Jesus Lord, no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. I believe he's born again. Okay, how many, how many, so under your fill in there, number two, he acknowledged Jesus as Lord on the Damascus Road. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord on the Damascus Road. All right, number three, Paul's testimony on each occasion clearly shows that he was genuinely converted to Christ on the Damascus Road. How many believe that Paul was genuinely converted on the Damascus Road? Now, doesn't everyone say he was born again? But are you going to refute a man, say, Paul, you didn't even use that word born again once. 
but you couldn't have been. No, on the Damascus Road. Okay, over the page. Second experience, he was baptized in the Spirit. Now, number one, Saul, we find in this chapter, was three days without sight, and he spent the time in prayer and fasting in prayer. Number two, he was given a vision of Ananias laying hands on him. So I don't know that the Lord gives sinners visions of people laying hands on them when they're not saved. Quite evident Paul was saved, born again. Number three, the Lord gave Ananias a prophetic word concerning Paul, uh, uh, Saul's future ministry. Then in ver number four, Ananias called him Brother Saul and laid hands on him for, you fill in, healing, that thou mightest receive thy sight for healing and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Ananias called him Brother Saul and laid hands on him for healing and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now he could have said, hey, listen, I, I received all that in the Damascus Road three days ago. You're three days too late, Ananias. I don't need a second experience. I got it all when I called Jesus Lord. No, something happened on the Damascus Road where he was born again and called Jesus Lord and was converted. Three days later, there's another operation of the Holy Spirit where he's filled with the Spirit. It's quite evident that though it doesn't say it in Acts 9 here, that Paul later on in 1 Corinthians 14 says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Number five, you fill in, Saul was baptized in water. So he's baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit under Ananias and was with the disciples in Damascus preaching Christ as the Son of God. All right, our summary statement. Thus, two distinct operations of the same Spirit about three days apart, one on the Damascus Road under Christ, and the other in a house at Damascus under Ananias. All right, number six. Now we come to a very unique thing here. The Gentiles in the house of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, you have these details. Under A, and I want you to notice this because some people, particularly those who say you are not saved unless you speak in tongues, which is contrary to the scripture and which is heresy, because there are millions of Christians who don't speak in tongues and you dare say that they're not saved. Speaking in tongues is evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit, but it's not evidence of salvation. You've got to keep that clear. Okay? So under A, number one, Cornelius was a devout man, a praying man, an alms-giving man, and he believed in God with all his household. Number two, so he's not a rebel sinner. Number two, he received a vision and instructions to send for Peter to hear words of salvation. And your quote here is, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Acts 11, verse 14. Whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. The Lord said, the angel said, go and find Peter and he will tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. Now he's a Jewish proselyte because he's a devout man, he's a praying man, he's an almsgiving man, he believed in God with all his household, but he hasn't got New Testament salvation. So, number three, Peter in response to a vision and the Holy Spirit went to Cornelius' house and preached the gospel of salvation. Note, Cornelius and, the ha and his household were not rebellious sinners. Very important. But Jewish proselytes, 
those that fear God, work righteousness, and believe in God, they now need to, exp uh, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved or be born again and experience New Testament salvation. Note what the Scriptures say about them. Acts chapter 11, verse 18, you fill in. God granted them, and I'm quoting the Scripture, repentance unto life. Oh, there's that word repent again. So God granted them, you fill in, repentance unto life. Next asterisk, chapter 11, verse 1. The apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So repentance unto life. The Gentiles received the word of God. Third asterisk. Peter referred to this time when the Gentiles, and I'm quoting the scripture, heard the word of the gospel and believed. So note the language, repentance unto life, received the word of God, you fill in here, third asterisk, heard the word of the gospel and believed. Heard the word of the gospel and believed. And then the next part is, Peter says their hearts were, you fill in, purified by faith. Oh, we got repentance unto life, received the word of God, heard the word of, of the gospel and believed. Their hearts were purified by faith and they were, according to Peter, saved by grace, as were the Jews. Note the whole language about the house of Cornelius. Repentance to life, received the word of God, heard the word of the gospel and believed, hearts purified by faith, and they were saved by grace. Thus, as they believed on Christ, they were born again of the incorruptible seed, they were no longer common or unclean. Everybody say amen to that. All right, second experience now at the same time. Now, remember our proposition is that uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is an experience at or subsequent to and different from being born of the Spirit. Now, in the case of the house of Cornelius, they were saved and filled with the Spirit all at one at the same time, then water baptized. Okay? Under B. While Peter preached the word to them, Scripture, the Holy Spirit fell on them. You fill in. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they spoke with tongues and magnified God. So while Peter preached the word to them, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they spake with tongues and magnified God. Peter says the Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. Peter says they were, and you fill in here is, baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, then when I remembered the word of the Lord, how John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Peter says they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and received, you fill in, the like gift. The like gift. All right, then number two, Peter commanded them to be baptized in water in the name of the Lord, seeing the Lord Jesus had baptized them in the Spirit. Remember, this is the exception, not the rule. The only reason they were baptized in water after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit was because Peter was nationalistic and sectarian. And he had no intention of baptizing them in water, but he said, putting it in the modern vernacular, if it's good enough for the Lord Jesus Christ to baptize them in the Spirit, then it's good enough for me to baptize them in water because this points to that. Okay? So... At the bottom, note their experience was similar to the disciples before and after the cross, 
and at Pentecost, they were undoubtedly born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, experiencing both operations of the same Spirit at the same time. As we said, it is an experience at or subsequent to. All what we've looked at so far has been subsequent to. This was at. Okay, number seven, our last one here. Moving along marvelously here. All right, the, the Ephesian disciples. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. And we have the account of the Ephesian disciples. Okay, number one, reading off your notes here, Paul on coming to Ephesus found certain disciples. These are not rebellious sinners. Please note it. They are disciples. Number two, fill in. These disciples had been water baptized with John's baptism which was, according to verse 3 and 4, a baptism unto repentance. And note this Peter package I'm emphasizing here, repentance, faith, water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. So these disciples had been water baptized with John's baptism, which was a baptism unto repentance. Unto then, what were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John, barely baptized with the baptism of repentance. All right, number three, next thing involved, John's baptism also involved faith. Listen to what it says. Then said Paul, John, barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So John's baptism also involved faith. Amen? that they should believe on Christ Jesus who would come after John. So note, they're disciples, they're baptized unto John's baptism, a, a baptism unto repentance, water baptism by immersion, and, and uh, it also involves faith that they should believe on the coming Messiah. Uh, number four, Paul questioned whether they had received the Holy Spirit. Now, if they'd been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they would at least have heard of the Holy Spirit, they hadn't even heard that the Holy Spirit had been outpoured. He felt there was someone missing in the meeting. The meeting must have been pretty dead. Have you guys got the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? When you believe? Whatever the translators like to argue on that, the unbelieving believers. Since you believe or when you believe? I don't care whether you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe or since you believe as long as you, as you receive. Amen? <laughs> yeah. And no, you have to pardon me, my frame of reference is out of here and I've heard so many of the arguments that I'm always arguing in my mind, you innocent, great people, you're not unbelieving believers, okay? So that's why I rattle off sometimes. Is that all right? Okay. Number, so number five, Paul then baptized them again in the name of the Lord Jesus. We'll have to spend a night on the difference between John's baptism and the baptism of Christ, Christian baptism because John's baptism was nameless. And John's baptism was not into the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why they were rebaptized. Okay, note, these are not rebellious sinners, but disciples of John, repentant and believing disciples. Again, it is implicit that they received Christ Jesus in order to be baptized in his name. 
as John's baptism was only temporary, transitional, and inadequate until Christian baptism after the death, burial, and resurrection and exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Acts 18 that uh, Aquila and Priscilla took uh, uh, Apollos and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly because he, uh, though he was fervent in spirit and he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord knowing only the baptism of John. What was wrong with the baptism of John? Knowing only the baptism of John. Then chapter 19, we move straight on to where John's disciples are rebaptized. Okay, vast subject. All right, so how many would say that they, they, the Ephesian disciples were not only saved under John's baptism and unto repentance and faith, that when Paul baptized them again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, how many think they were born again or was he unbaptizing or baptizing unborn again people? Huh? Okay, B. After these disciples were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, Paul laid hands on them and, you fill in, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Number two, this was evidenced by speaking in other tongues and prophecy. So fill in, number one, fill in, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Number two, this was evidenced by speaking in tongues and prophecy. And we see tongues on the day of Pentecost, Samaritan disciples by implication, because Simon saw something that he wanted to buy. The Gentiles in the house of Cornelius, the apostle Paul by implication, he said he spoke in tongues more than anybody, so somewhere he did. And the Ephesian believers. Note, the experience of these disciples of John is also similar in points to the disciples of Christ and the house of Cornelius. They were undoubtedly born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, experiencing both operations of the same Spirit at the same period of time. So we have disciples of John, John's baptism unto repentance and to faith, Old Testament salvation. Disciples of Christ, rebaptism into his name, born of the Spirit. Holy Spirit baptism, spoken tongues, prophesied, baptized in the Spirit. Okay, summary. A study of each of these biblical accounts and the Scripture confirm the truth of the following proposition, that the baptism with or in the Holy Spirit is a distinct supernatural experience, anointing and equipment for service unto the Lord. It is an experience at or subsequent to and different from being born of the Spirit or sanctification of the fruit of the Spirit, New Testament believers may experience two major operations of the same Holy Spirit, that is, being born of the Spirit, being baptized in the Spirit. Okay, now, I have one more sheet to give out to you, and this material is on it. Just listen to me, we've got about three minutes here. Now, I purposely kept off types, because you never establish a doctrine upon a type but you use types to illustrate the doctrine. Okay? That's sound hermeneutics. Everybody know how to spell hermeneutics? So I hope I've established the doctrine. Scripture, does everybody feel comfortable with what we've been through? I could read those notes. Okay, let's look at the types. All right, number one, and this is on the sheet that will be passed out as you are dismissed. In the meal offering, we have a beautiful operation of the oil. Two operations of the same oil in the same meal offering. So God said when you prepare the meal offering, make it a fine flour, magnificent uh, representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Fine flour, no leaven in it, because there's no sin in Christ. Sinless, pure, fine flour, 
perfect humanity. Then he says, when you make that fine flour, I want you to mingle oil in the fine flour. The mingling of oil in the fine flour was where Jesus was born of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary and Christ's whole humanity was mingled with the Holy Spirit. But after the cake had the oil mingled in it, then he said, I want you to anoint it. Now, the cake didn't jump up and say, I don't want any more oil. I've got enough oil in me. He said, pour it on. So the cake was mingled with oil, and then it was anointed with oil. <laughs> Two operations of the same oil. Let's go. I'd love to spend time on that, but we haven't got it. Number two, this is magnificent. In the cleansing of the leper, which represents us, two operations of the oil. First of all, the leper was sprinkled with blood on the right ear, the right thumb, the right toe. He was wholly bathed in water, immersion, no sprinkling. Then upon the blood was the oil. Put the oil on the blood. So the blood was on the ear, the right thumb, the right toe, and the oil was upon the blood. So in his conversion, in his salvation, in his cleansing, we have blood, water, and oil. But the second operation of the oil was, he said, now take the remnant of the log of oil and pour it upon his head. He could have said, I've got enough oil on me now, brother. He said, dose it on. I say, dose it on. These people say, I've got enough. I say, give me more, Lord. Hallelujah. While they're fighting it, I'm enjoying it. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. So what was two operations of the same oil? Oil upon. Number three, the feast of Passover. The emphasis in Passover is not on oil, it's on blood. The reception of the Son of God. Pentecost, the em emphasis is on oil, the Spirit of God. So if you say, I got it all at Passover, I don't need Pentecost, you say, I like the first feast, I don't want the next feast. You know, I mean, two operations. Everybody see it's already in the types. Number four, in John 4, we have the well of water. In John 7, he said, rivers. I like a well of water, but I like rivers, don't you? And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you, but every reference in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit came upon. Check it. How many are glad you're born of the Spirit? And how many are glad you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? And how many want the good oil? Hallelujah. Let's stand and then... Maybe about four guys stand here and give this last sheet, which gives some of these other details, a lot more details that we haven't covered. But if I haven't convinced you now, I never will. All right? Father, we just thank you for the wonder, the beauty, and the glory of your precious word, which you've exalted even above all your name. Pray, Father, that these sessions we've shared together will not only help us, Lord, individually appreciate being born of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit, Lord, but help us to help others who are sincere and have honest questions, Lord. Help us to help them, Lord, so that they may be established in your word and experience all the operation of the Holy Spirit that is available for us in these days. Seal your word to our hearts and bless your people as we separate now, Father, and as we gather on the weekend. May it be a good day in your presence. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Amen. For more on this important topic, be sure to acquire a copy of Kevin Connor's book entitled Understanding and Distinguishing the New Birth from the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Visit kevinconnor.org for details.